My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Every 98 seconds, someone in the U.S. is sexually assaulted, according to the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. By the time just this show's intro is done, that's easily five people. And every 11 minutes, the victim is a child. Numbers like these can make us feel hopeless. How can we even make an impact when the problems are so massive? Today, you're going to hear from a team of creatives who have given me a ton of hope by showing that any one of us can make a difference and proving that putting your heads and hearts together can go such a long way. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm so thankful that you're listening. Before we dive in, a quick reminder to head to augustmclaughlin.com or girlboner.org to sign up for occasional Girl Boner extras by email. You can also order my books, Girl Boner and Girl Boner Journal, on Amazon and most anywhere books are sold. If you attend a free workshop at The Pleasure Chest in Los Angeles, they are fantastic, you can get 15% off your purchase that day, whether you get my book or other goodies. The section on healing from sexual trauma is especially dear to me and features previous guest and trauma expert Jiminika Eborn. She also has a fabulous podcast I recommend called Trauma Queen. Now I'm so pleased to welcome the powerhouses behind Show Your Courage to the show, The mission of Show Your Courage is a very important one, to remind survivors of sexual assault that they are not alone, that they have support, and most importantly, that they are believed. Eager to make a difference in this epidemic, the husband and wife team of interior designers Becky Heinz and Paul Heinz reached out to local textile designer Shale Pacini. This trio of creatives worked together to come up with a design that could be worn proudly by both survivors and supporters of survivors, regardless of gender. So what design am I talking about? You're about to find out, as I'm so fortunate to have all three team members here in the studio today. Welcome, Becky, Paul, and Chalet. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Becky, I'd love to hear a little bit about the idea. How, how did this come about, this company? Sure, absolutely. Um, So the inspiration really was Dr. Ford, and it was during the Kavanaugh hearings that um, I think myself, like a lot of people, you know, in the world, in the country, they were experiencing, you know, we were just having really big feelings around what was happening. And um, the same was happening for me, and it was happening really intensely. And I was relating to, you know, what was happening, and I was just responding actually in a way that was very surprising too to me um and I was just kind of really distraught my heart was just aching and I couldn't ignore the feeling I couldn't just say oh this is happening to someone else this is another issue you know I couldn't be hands-off I was like I gotta get involved um and so then you know that night I went to bed and I was just like what am I gonna do I gotta do something and um I had purchased this little silk scarf um, probably like two years ago. I had never worn it because just going to put it out there. I'm no fashionista, but I loved it. Um, and 
it just kind of came into my mind and I was like, oh my gosh, that little silk scarf. I mean, maybe I could do something. I'm a creative person. Maybe I could create something um, that could be worn by people to show support. And, you know, that's just what I did. And then I kind of kept it to myself. I didn't share any this story with anyone. I didn't share my idea because I just really felt like, you know, that doubt kind of crept in of who am I to bring this to the world? I'm no expert in sexual assault. I'm, you know, can I really do something like this? And I kept it inside. And eventually, you know, I shared it with my husband, the idea. And he, you know, he was like, we're doing it. This is great. We have to do it. I'm so excited. Let's move. And that night he emailed Chile. um, And that kind of brought the three of us together. And we got started. Wow. And Chile, what was that experience like for you? You heard about this. What was your initial reaction? How'd you feel? Well, it was really timely because I was actually feeling very similar to Becky um, in watching the hearings. And then the fallout after that was shocking. I think everybody was shocked by how people were really um, triggered by this, no matter what side they were on. And there were just a lot of heated debates. um, And people were coming forward with their own stories. It triggered um, survivors of sexual assault to want to talk about this for the first time. And I don't know, it just just seems like a really important um, time in the history of our culture um, that this is happening. So, and I, like Becky, thought, wow, I think I want to do something about this. I I felt compelled to take action and not just sit with my thoughts. And so when Paul and Becky approached me about, it was more like, how can this be done? Um, I was more than ready to get started. And I think initially it seemed like something I was just going to help them with. But the more I got involved, it was really clear I had to be a part of it. So oh, That's lovely. Paul, what did it feel like for you? You obviously were on board immediately. Did it surprise you? Did you think of Chalet right away? Well, I knew something was struggling with Becky, that she was talking about the case a lot, and um, she's like, I have this idea, and I'm more of a, let's just do it, Right. and Becky is really much a, let's research it for six months, and then figure out if we actually want to do it, so when she told me, I was like, let's do it, and I think maybe an hour later, I said, we're reaching out to Chalet, she prints textiles, this is printing textiles, she'll know what we need to do. And so we emailed her, and then I said, okay, well, what, what do we want the design to look like? And Becky's like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, we have a, we have to do a design this weekend. We're meeting Chalet in two days. Like, <laughs> we need to take something with us. And she's like, no, 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 you're going too fast. And I said, no, we're going now. We're doing this. And <laughs> so you're we, nodding. Took, yeah. we took some rough ideas to Chalet, and she's like, oh, yeah, this is great. And we could figure out what we were doing. And I mean, it was two weeks later we had a, our first prototype. Oh my gosh. So tell us about the design. I think, I mean, given the time, like Paul just said, I could have spent six months on this thing. I mean, and I'm, you know, we're all critical of our designs and you want to edit and you want to think about it and you want to go through the whole thing. And Paul was like, no. Like, what's the message? Okay, we believe survivors. We want to support survivors. Okay, there it is. I believe her. Cool. And, but it's, we want to build, you know, this didn't only happen to Dr. Ford, you know, as we know, it's like one in three and one in six, you know, female males are assaulted. And so then it was, and her and her and her and her, everybody, it's inclusive of everybody because, um, you know, this crosses cultures, this crosses genders, this is inclusive of all people. Yeah. And I love that it's a scarf too, because everyone wears scarves and 
it wraps around you. Right. It, was that intentional? Well, I actually, in my head, there was a symbol, too, of kind of replacing chains or handcuffs, you know, because trauma sometimes can, you know, you can feel confined and you can feel lonely and you can feel scared and, um, you know, you can feel like you've been robbed or something's been taken from you. You can just feel, I don't even know what the word is, but just bound and you're struggling, confined. Yeah. Um, So it was a softening of that. Like we're going to take off these chains. We're going to take this off and we're going to replace it with something that's soft and comforting and it's okay. And you have this community and we're just going to build this visible and public symbol that, you know, tells the people who have shared their story, but their stories, excuse me, but also the people who are still silently struggling. You know, I wanted them to look up while they're sitting on the train or in their commute and say, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. I am supported. And most importantly, you know, like we've said, I am believed. Yes. Yes. And to see that visually, as you're saying, you could see there's somebody wearing, you know, there's an ally there. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, and the scarf, really, you can wear it every day. I've worn it every day for a week once. And it's so versatile. You can, it's not something where it's like, a shirt that you're going to wear once and then you have to wash it. So it sits in the laundry for a week. Like a scarf is a scarf. It's not getting dirty. It's easy to wear and easy for people to recognize. And does it come in many different colors? Is it? Yeah. So we originally came up with the red um, and then we kind of talked to some people and they said, you have to have it in black. So we came up with the red and black. We launched with both of those. And there's a linen version and a silk version as well. I love that. That's so awesome. So what's your biggest mission, would you say? Obviously, believing survivors is really important. Is that kind of the cornerstone of your mission? Um, Also to um, support them and empower them with um, some of our partners, what they offer is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know you're working with numerous organizations and proceeds benefit these organizations. Could you speak a little bit about what organizations you're yeah so we're working with impact personal safety which i love them (laughs) which is a big organization um, across the country and they've actually grown around the world and it's to um, just reach into your your insides and pull out what you know as a self-defense mechanism you're yelling and just saying no and stop and getting people to say oh okay and then they turn around and walk the other way hopefully and so that's one of our one of the first people that we reached out with and um we actually went to their graduation and it was so that inspired us and it was so visceral and we're just sitting there because we were expecting them to get certificates and they started being attacked and defending themselves (laughs) kicking ass yeah and it was so like at one point they were like okay now everybody in the audience take a deep breath because no one was breathing. We had sat there for like two fights and not taken a breath at all. And some of us were crying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was really moving. Yeah, it's really intense. I mentioned uh, before we started the interview that I took the classes. I took basics and advanced and weapons. And it was one of, altogether, one of the most empowering things I have ever done for myself. And one of the most powerful things within the classes are consent exercises. So, First of all, it's incredible to be able to do those physical fights that you saw at graduation. Uh, you can see mine on my Instagram. I'm sure you're all taking the class, right? Yes, yeah. are. So you may be having videos that you might want to share at some point, too. But it's kind of crazy to see 
that because there's trained professionals essentially who are wearing this armor, right, mm -hmm. that you can kick as hard with your entire might, you know, that you won't hurt them. and But the body doesn't know the difference between a fake attack and a real attack. So right. the adrenaline goes and all this stuff. Equally powerful is simply the role-playing exercises where you will do a little scenario where someone says, hey, and puts their arm around you and you take the arm off and you, you know, you say no and you set your boundaries. It's it's so important. And I imagine these scarves also can play an, a role in consent because if people are wearing the scarves, they're, a, they're aware of it. Mm -hmm. Is that one of your aims? I think that while not necessary, not necessarily a direct um, goal of ours, it was like, it can also be a tool for mm -hmm. many other things. Um, and I even happen to use it on, you know, like if I'm having a hard day or, you know, I have something really challenging ahead of me and I just need a little extra encouragement, you know, I just pull it out and put it in my purse, wrap it around my purse, whatever. And it's, I look at it and it's just like, man, you know, like, if Dr. Ford, one, could do what she did and stand in front of there and stand in front of the world and share her story, then surely I can, you know, do this thing that, you know, is standing before me. Um, and other, you know, if all survivors can continue to do what they do every day, you know, why can't I do what I need to do? Mm. Um, so it's just that extra boost, too. So I think, you know, I think everyone has the opportunity to kind of make it what they need it to be for themselves. And for me, it's a great tool to start a conversation with. People will ask me about the scarf and the meaning behind it. So that's also part of our mission to continue this conversation in our culture. Yeah, these conversations are so important. And I think it brings light to a lot of different things, like myths that we all buy into or, you know, about consent or boundaries or Me Too or all these different things. What's something that maybe each of you could share, one thing that you want people, more people to know about survivors? I think for me, it makes sense that, you know, survivors went through this as a part of who they are, um, but that doesn't necessarily define them. We don't have to treat them any differently we don't have to I mean they're still human beings and we have to still be respectful and to know that they went through a hard thing in their lives and so maybe even not necessarily try to be different as in like be a little nicer but you never know if you're going to Starbucks and the barista's mad at you because you ordered something crazy like you don't know what they went through last night like they may have had a really hard time and so really just being more cautious and being kinder to people mm. in general. I really like that. Yeah, that's really powerful, really keeping in mind we don't know what people have gone through. And for sure, in any Starbucks, there are survivors. Right. Unless it's empty. Absolutely. There's survivors in there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What about you, Becky? Um, I think for me, the thing that really sticks out um, is that trauma in any form is not just a single act that the that's something that the person is going to live with for the rest of their life and absolutely it doesn't define them but i really think that trauma is stored in the body and it can be with you at all times everywhere and um i think i just want there to be some compassion for that and i want people to know that they're not alone in that struggle that you know sometimes we can get all you know in our head and internalize it and there's a lot of shame associated with you know sexual trauma and it's just you know 
it's not a one and done thing that the, people carry this with them. And it's just to have compassion and love and just build a community of support because it helps when you know you're not alone. It really can help. Yeah, just even that one bit of information. If someone says, I see you yes, and you're not the only one. I mean, it gives me chills to think about because that aloneness can be its own kind of trauma. Absolutely. Isolating. Like, yeah. Okay, I'm going to kind of piggyback on Paul's because um, for me, I think that um, the information that I've learned about it is just paramount, um, and that is the abundance of it and um, how rampant it is in our culture and um, that that this can change. It doesn't have to remain the same. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Have you seen changes? Have any of you noticed improvements? I noticed a couple, like just little things in life where, you know, when the Me Too stuff started getting really big, I remember there was a guy who said something really gross to me and then stopped himself. And I was like, whoa. I mean, that that's huge. That just happened. That's never happened before. And I feel like those... Every seemingly quote unquote small change like that collectively is pretty cool. Yeah. I think we're even seeing it amongst young children. Um, these conversations that they're having in schools um, certainly weren't happening when I was young. I mean, about consent, um, all sorts of things. Bullying is a huge topic as well that's kind of, you know, on the periphery of what we're talking about. And so these things are happening with young children. And I think that is really. Um, the key um, to make this change. I really Yes, do. and thank you for mentioning that because consent needs to be taught from the ground up and outside of sex. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such an important thing to have agency and to be able to say yes or no and to understand boundaries because if you save it for, like, quote-unquote, the talk and it's just in the context of sex, that's that's not enough. No. Yeah. No. Agreed. Muscle. <laughs> well, it's like if... You have two little kids, and so often people are like, oh, it's so cute, like they just hugged, but, and then they're like encouraging them to hug. Well, what if they don't want to? And it's like, oh, no, give them a hug. It's cute. It's cute when you're two years old. But that, they're they're growing up thinking that the people are in control of them, and they're not in control of their own bodies exactly exactly and especially for little girls i feel there's Mm -hmm. this pressure to be the nice sweet girl who hugs and kisses everyone before they go to sleep or whatever and again it's but it's your body Mm -hmm. it's it's your choice well and even you know just piggy you know echoing kind of what paul was saying like there was you know i've heard talks of like you know when a parent is tickling their kid or whatever and their kid's like no stop 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 and the parents just keep going because it's cute it's like is that helping or is that hurting and you know I think we all have to kind of take a hard look at ourselves you know and what we're doing too um it's not just about everybody else you know we all have to look within yeah that's so important that reflection and introspection because we've all messed up totally Mm -hmm. every single one of us has crossed a boundary if not many, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And to learn from that's the key. Yeah. So I have a question from a listener that relates to this topic, and I think a lot of listeners will relate as well. It comes from LJ, who wrote this. Several years ago, I went through a sexual assault. I have been doing a lot of healing work and feel ready to date and to be sexually intimate again. I'm not sure if sex will be triggering for me, however. How can I approach this with new potential partners? LJ, first, I just want to say how amazing you are for asking this question and and thinking about that, really 
practicing the self-care and saying, you know, I might feel triggered and wanting to protect yourself. I think that's so, so important. Here's what Dr. Megan Fleming of GreatLifeGreatSex.com had to say. Ellie J., I want to, of course, start by thanking you for asking this question, not on behalf of yourself, but for so many others who are listening who themselves or certainly know through someone who's gone through a sexual trauma. And so, first of all, I want to say I think it's amazing and awesome that even after experiencing a sexual assault, you've done the healing work, right? That I think so often because of guilt or shame, it almost can feel so heavy or toxic that people avoid it, right? They don't even want to touch it. And that may, of course, come at the cost of potential relationships. And so I really want to highlight for others listening that the healing work is not only possible, it happens. And it certainly feels like so much of it has already happened for you. So I just want to really highlight and um, if you haven't already, right, help you to sort of give yourself that proverbial pat on the back because you recognize the value of doing healing work and reclaiming, right, your own sense of vitality and feeling pleasure in your body. And so, you know, now that you're feeling ready to date, you know, I can imagine, right, we only know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. So to your point, despite all the work that you've done, we're not yet, you can't, of course, be sure how something's going to come up for you until it happens. But what I can say is, you know how to trust your gut, your intuition, and ask for what you need. So what I would say is, you know, when you're starting to date someone, you know, you get to decide, there's no gold standard here, you get to decide when's the right time to disclose and or what you want to disclose. First of all, I think it's just generally appropriate to say, you know, I'm taking things slow. You know, I'm really interested, if this is the case, right, in a relationship or a longer-term relationship. And, you know, my first priority is you know, feeling that chemistry. And um, so I think honoring the fact that you want to take things slow, because this is when through the kissing, you know, his putting his, you know, hand on his thigh, on your thigh, or around your shoulder, caressing um, sort of your face. In that moment, your body's going to let you know whether there's anything that comes up that hasn't yet, in a sense, been extinguished, right? An unwanted kind of, you know, terrified or um, fearful response. So listen, when and if that shows up, the idea there is just to honor it and just to name it in a sense. I sort of say name it to tame it, just like in your mind's eye. You don't even have to say it out loud. Like, oh, here we go. I know what that is. And let the thought and the feeling pass. Feelings are like a wave, right? We just allow them to crest and redirect your attention to this moment, this person in front of you that you're interested in, that you're attracted to. And you're sort of conveying to your body by not getting on the train, as I say, of the thought or the feeling and, you know, sort of taking that down the sort of running with it, right? You're redirecting and sort of saying, thanks, but no thanks. That's, that's a feeling. It's a thought. It's coming up. It's unwanted. It's intrusive. But if I don't give it energy, if I don't give it attention and I invite in the next thought, that's where then the energy and the feelings are going to flow. And that's what this process is going to be like for you. It's like, you don't know, but when and if it does show up, it's just to slow things down and to honor that feeling, acknowledge it and sort of release it and redirect your attention to what you want to be experiencing with your partner. And so, you know, I think it's to realize it's a journey. It's a process. You might be pleasantly surprised that it doesn't come up for you, or you might be surprised when you think like, 
just like a hand on your thigh would be nothing, it might evoke a feeling. And so that's the piece I wanted you to just realize is I don't know and you don't know in what way it may show up, but if it does, you can handle it. You know what your resources are and you know that you can choose depending on how long you've been dating this person and when it feels right, what level of information you want to disclose. You know, it's not that in my mind dissimilar for somebody who may have had a history of cancer. You know, this is something or any other medical illness or maybe taking medication. You know, this is something that's very personal to you and you get to decide when it feels like the right time sort of to disclose that information and sort of to build the intimacy around that. And if you're interested or seeking sort of an additional resource, one I think is amazing and sort of a classic is by Wendy Maltz. It's now in the third edition and it's called The Sexual Healing Journey, A Guide for Survivors of Sexual Abuse. And what I like about this book, it sort of takes you step by step through the recovery process. And she not only provides sort of her expert advice along the way, where she sort of gives you sort of proven techniques and exercises from own practice and experience, but also the first person accounts of women and men at every stage of sexual healing that she has worked with. And so that's what I really wanted to say is that there are many, many resources out there and it is a process about the healing journey and how you can absolutely ultimately in time gain control over those upsetting automatic reactions to either touch and or sex and then to develop a healthy sexual self, your empowered sexual self. So that is your journey and you've already come a long way along that. And LJ, I can't wait to hear how it goes. Please do check back and let us know. I love what she said about not being able to predict what's going to trigger you, that it could sometimes be a glance. It could sometimes maybe something you think is going to be triggering for you is completely not triggering for you. Um, but but really just working to to allow yourself the grace to feel whatever you feel. Like your feelings are valid. I think that's so important. Equally important, I think, is is a support system. As Becky mentioned a bit how important that is, would you speak a little bit more to that sense of community? You know, how do we how do we build that for, for somebody who's just new to trying to find that support network? Yeah, I think, you know, I think there's a lot of different avenues. I think, um, you know, your friends, your family, the people you can trust. But I also acknowledge that not everybody has that. And um, for me personally, I have a therapist and I have her as a support system. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, maybe it's a, you know, there's groups that have this or maybe there's even a way to be kind of anonymous in a group so that you can just get feedback on what other people are going through and not feel alone. But um, I think just try and get your what I like to call is a toolbox, essentially, you know, try and gather that in whatever way possible so that, you know, when you are triggered or when you have struggles that you have something or someone to reach out to. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I actually um, talked to someone recently who was sexually abused by her husband and she kept it in for like four months or so um, because she thought, well, you know, it's my husband. And I had too many glasses to, of wine that night, and and I don't really remember what happened. And then once she realized what happened, she felt ashamed, and she's like, "Well, it's like I can't call it was on the my victim husband." Blaming. Yeah, she was blaming herself, yeah. and once she finally came out and said it, she felt so much better. And 
and she's like, really, I don't know why I was holding it in. And she, I mean, she watches all the crime shows and everything. And she's like, yeah, I, I was a victim. And he made me think that it was me and I was drunk and I didn't really see it. And he's my husband, so he's allowed to and all these things. And it's like, no, you're not. Like, yeah. you're not allowed to do that. And all of those feelings, as Becky was saying, you experience the trauma whether you have allowed yourself or have other people have allowed you to kind of like believe it yet mm-hmm. it's there so you ex- she's experiencing it to have that validated and go to say it out loud and give it air right yeah that's really really powerful i think we've really in this culture um learned how to um suppress those feelings and it's difficult to identify what they are at that point. So what you're speaking to in this person, Paul, is them actually looking at their feelings and recognizing what they truly are for themselves. And that's the big, huge first step, I think, to making change. Yeah. Oh, well said. And like when we were at the women's um, conference here in Southern California and, you know, people, when we tell them what we do, they really open up. And one lady's like, oh, I wish you were around 60 years ago. And it's just like, your heart breaks. It's horrible, like, <laughs> to hear these. but And they didn't have support. So now that we've created this, we want people to know that they do have support. And, and it's never it too may, late. Yeah. It may it's not be someone late. you know, but they're still supporting you. And yeah. so, and it's not too late. Like, it may have happened 60 years ago, but I'm here today. So talk to me. Get it out. Give me a hug if you want, or if you don't, that's fine. <laughs> and yeah. let's figure out a ways to help you. Mm, that's really big. That's really big. Validating the feelings mm-hmm. and and knowing, because I imagine there are so many people who went through the generational changes of literally not having any ability to say anything. No one would believe you, or worse, you'd be punished. I mean, that still happens. Yeah, but. Th- just the levels of complexity and and then the shame around not saying something, especially if it's someone that you have these mixed feelings for. In the example you shared, you can love someone. You can have all these wonderful feelings for them. They can do many kind things and have wonderful skills and still be abusive and still mm-hmm. assault someone. And I think that's a hard thing to grapple with sometimes. Sure. Yeah. So tell us how we can be better allies for people who, whether they've gone through an assault or not, I know believing people is really important. So do you feel like that's something that we should all, I don't know, because I feel like what happens is it blurts out. When somebody comes to someone and says, I was assaulted, sometimes it's you don't want to believe it. You're hearing it and you're like, no, that can't have happened because I don't want you to have been hurt. But we also know from research that the most important reaction is the first one, right? So how do we start practicing that? Is that something that comes up in your conversations? I think listening is probably the first thing to what you're saying. When somebody starts talking, maybe not even react, maybe just listen. Yeah. Hold space. No, that's so important, I think, because if you're listening and in your head you're just judging, you're not listening, right. <laughs> right? Right. I mean, that's an easy thing to do. We all do it, like a political debate in your head. You're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> but but what I've been trying to do, what ideally we could try to do in all areas of life, but especially if someone's talking to us about something so intimate, is go, okay, just, just be here, like witness, and maybe ask a question instead of instruct, like how can I help? And right. also I think that people get a little bit hung up on 
what am I supposed to do next? You know, how am I supposed to respond to this? And they might not feel equipped to respond to it. That's why listening in itself and just being present for that person, whether it's a friend or a loved one, you know, just listening might be the first thing they need just Mm. to be heard. And I think something else, too, that I kind of try to remember is to create a safe space also and to just tell the person they're safe. And especially, you know, I think a lot of people, when they are sharing their story, they might be kind of reliving it. And it's very important, I think, to remind people that they're safe and that it's okay, you know, and that they're, you know, you're going to go through this with them and, you know, I just think that kind of creating that safe space is really critical as well. Mm, yeah. And it's never going to be easy for them to tell people. And so by saying, like, you can say the stereotypical, like, oh, it's going to get better and stuff. But I think, like Shalai said, just listening and, and really being focused, not trying to think of, oh, gosh, what do I say? But mm-hmm. actually just listen and mm-hmm. make sure you and saying, like, oh, it's OK. You can tell me, like, it's safe. What do you want me to do? Is there something that would help you? And just asking them, like yeah, you said. The questions. Yeah, that's so big. As I mentioned in the introduction today, I really admire that you're being proactive. You came together and said, I'm not just going to sit here. I want to do something. And I feel like there's this broad feeling of that in our culture where but people don't know what to do and they might feel that they can't make a difference because of these big numbers and how prevalent or maybe their own experience what would you suggest to somebody who wants to maybe young people who want to feel empowered to change the culture um what we have learned or i should speak for myself but i think becky and paul would agree is in this process of putting together what we're doing with Show Your Courage, we have come in contact with some of the most amazing people doing amazing things. And we have these three partners that we're working with. And I would say if somebody is just looking for a way to participate, start participating with some of these organizations around you, either our organizations or other organizations that I'm sure you're affiliated with, that would be a great beginning point for somebody mm-hmm. to feel like they're involved. And to go with what Shalai said, um, one of our the organizations that we partnered with is Girls Inc. So we have the we're going to go into the classroom in the summer and um, talk to them about how we've made the scarf and the meaning behind it and just letting them know like kind of educating them younger so that they know as they grow up that this is this is right this is wrong but at the same point we're teaching them art and we're gonna have them make their own scarves and kind of kind of give them the art classes that may not be taught in their schools. Um, and at the same point, being able to talk about sexual abuse and consent and making sure that they grow up being the best that they can be. What a great mission. That's awesome. So you have Impact Personal Safety and Girls, Inc. And mm-hmm. one more? Well, actually, we just signed a fourth one um, in the last couple of weeks called Unleash, which is anti-bullying. Um, and so their campaign is all about um, we give ourselves and other people give us labels. And so we're wiping away the bad ones and just leaving the good ones left. Mm. Awesome. And the other organization is December. December that um, helps um, rescue people out of human trafficking around the wow. world. Yeah. They're doing amazing work. Incredible. That is such a brilliant 
move to, as you said, find there are these communities and people doing wonderful things. Mm -hmm. You don't have to create the wheel. You can actually join because there's so much power Mm -hmm. in numbers. I imagine you all get a lot of strength from each other and... Absolutely. Yeah. And Becky and Paul having different kind of approaches to things probably is very helpful. You know, you mm-hmm. have because one yeah. is like more methodical and needs to research it all and the other one wants to go very quickly. And in between there is like perfect. The happy. Yeah. It's yeah. The, right. We balance each other out. Yeah, it's yeah. good. They do. Yeah. And then you find this designer who you already had worked with, but someone who's bringing the artistic skills and you all have passion. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest challenge for you, would you say, with this work you're doing? I think the biggest challenge for me is not feeling like we're doing enough. Like I want to keep, like I want to give everyone a scarf. Like you don't want to pay for it. Okay, here's one. Just show that you're supportive mm-hmm. and making sure that as many people as possible know about it and are supporting survivors and um, talking about it and not stop talking about it. Yeah, that's, that's so powerful. I think something um, that I struggle with that was a little unexpected was you know right like I was an interior designer I am an interior designer that's what I do nine to five um but now I think about sexual assault every single day um and that can be you know kind of hard but it's also really important that even though it is hard that I don't stop Mm. um but that's kind of been a surprise to me is just like wow I think about this a lot you know, just because through research, through articles, through trying to generate content, through talking to our partners, you know, you and people sharing their stories with you. It's just like, whoa, sometimes, you know, and so it's just important, you know, to have those kind of self-care things in place and take care of yourself. But that's been just kind of something that I've come across that I'm like, it's a lot to carry. It, it is. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot to think about often. And I'm so glad you mentioned the prioritizing self-care because that seems not even just a good idea, but very Mandatory. necessary. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the self-care things you do? Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I'm going to admit this. But, like, baths, I'm addicted to them. Like, mm-hmm. and now, you know, it used to be one a day, right? Like, I was just a bath person. I'm serious. It's, like, two to three. Like, I'm just, like, oh, man, I'm having feelings. Like, jump yeah. in the tub. It's, when we yeah. have, at our house, we have, like, yesterday, I don't think we talked about show your courage at all. We have, we take time to not talk about it to kind of give us ourselves a break because if not we would talk about it 24 7 yeah especially because you're a couple and you're sharing life and it could be the only thing you ever talk about right exactly which wouldn't help either of you or the company exactly yeah what's the hardest thing from from your end would you say um i think the hardest thing if there's a hard thing it's not i don't even know if i'd call it the hardest thing but um a challenge i guess was when i recognized how resistant some people were about the topic and so it just kind of reinforced the necessity for it I guess for me I guess that was more of a surprise and a challenge I just was really surprised that some people just had difficulty um, approaching the topic yeah it's really true yeah I think probably more often than not I would imagine yeah and so many people have they struggle with it secretly Mm -hmm. so many people and that's okay too yeah. You know, there's no shame. And during the big boom of Me Too, I know so many people are sharing their stories. And to me, some of the bravest people are the people who can't say a single word. Yeah. So anyone listening, we're we're here with you. Absolutely. For sure. Absol- and that, I mean, I think that's almost where my heart is, too, you know, is it's like, 
it's not easy. And I think, you know, I, I think I also would want to tell them, don't feel pressured. Right. That it's in your time and it's when you are ready and when you feel safe. And if that's never, that's also okay. Absolutely. You could take care of yourself in a million ways that never involves telling a bunch of people about what happened. Yep. yep. But that just feeds the cause more for me. Yeah, absolutely. It's very fueling and motivating, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well put. So if people want to learn more or get involved, what are some of the ways? Where can they find you? Well, they can go to our Instagram, reach out at showyourcourage underscore. Um, they can go to the website, email us at info at showyourcourage.com. Um, showyourcourage.com is our website. And connecting with us and we can connect you to some of our partners and other people we've met. I mean, we, we've met so many people that aren't partners but that are very helpful. And so lots of, we can connect you to the right people and make sure that you get what you need. Awesome. And people can order the scarves on the site. Correct. Correct. Awesome. So exciting. Before I let you go, I'd love if each of you could just share, it can be super simple, just a message for a survivor who might be listening. I can start that. Um, I think my message would be, one is to just be patient with yourself and to just love yourself regardless. You know, what happened to you, like Paul stated early, earlier, isn't necessarily you. It may be, it's something that happened to you, but, um, you know, just be compassionate with yourself and just know that it's in your time, you know, and your journey is unique to you, your stories are unique to you, and that's what makes you, you. And that's awesome, and that's perfect, and there's no need to change. I would just say that you're not alone. That's the big, I I think that's the biggest thing that I could tell somebody is that you're not alone, and you do have support. There is support for you. Mm. And it's not your fault. You didn't ask for it. You didn't drink too much you didn't wear revealing clothes you didn't you didn't want no one wants it it's not your fault yeah so powerful thank you all for being here and especially for the work you're doing i just think it's so important and wonderful thank you thank you thank you so much and if you are looking for more support with a relationship right now whether you're struggling with some of these issues or not i hope you will check out dr megan's free webinar she wanted to share a little message about that I am, of course, thrilled to be talking about Thrive, a course that I'm going to be offering for anyone interested in a higher level of learning that is rooted in the latest from neuroscience and evidence-based practices. And this is over 20 years of my clinical practice and my work. This is a program that's going to guide you through your next level of growth and success in your personal relationships. And what I love most about it is it's a small group format. There's going to be no more than eight individuals in any group. And what I can tell you is there's nothing like having an experience going through those five weeks with the same individuals where you're going to be going a little bit deeper into the content and processing what I refer to as, in a sense, your growth work, which are going to be the written and experiential exercises that you're going to practice between sessions. And I also want you to know that this is my first time offering Thrive for the Girl Boner community. So I'm thrilled to offer this at 147, which is going to be half of the program cost moving forward. I am 100% committed to everyone who joins to receive the highest value from this course. 
and I can't wait to share more about the details in the next few weeks. I'm going to be offering a free live webinar on March 21st to share more about the course details and answer your questions. The five-week course is going to begin on April 4th. So to register or to get more details, look for the link at the bottom of today's show notes and or go to my website, greatlifegreatsex forward slash thrive. Hope to see you there and can't wait to tell you more. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. And if you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts if you haven't and leave us a rating and review. You can also follow along on Spotify and iHeartRadio. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week. Girl Boner Radio is owned, operated, and executively produced by me, August McLaughlin, with technical producer and audio extraordinaire, Mackenzie Mazel, as part of the Period Podcast Network, an affiliate of Starburns Industries. Learn more about the Girl Boner podcast brand movement and book series at girlboner.org, and more about Period at periodnetwork.com.